I'm going to be sharing about the road to Emmaus today. And there are churches that actually have a program called the Walk to Emmaus, which is a spiritual renewal program. I think the Methodist Church, they initiated a renewal program where believers can come together over a three-day period, symbolic of the death and resurrection of Christ, because it was over a period of three days. And this program is an initiative to help believers to get together and to spend time in prayer together, worship, praise, honoring the Lord, and having individual reflection to get to know the Lord better. So the Lord spoke to me about sharing a word on this particular portion of Scripture, which is entitled The Road to Emmaus. And every single one of us as born-again believers are on a journey. That journey is until we leave this earth. And it's an extremely important journey. And here we have the story of two disciples. They weren't one of the 11. Actually, it was only 11 left after Judas betrayed Yeshua. But it was two followers who met Yeshua on the road when they were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And I want to share this particular portion of scripture because as we go on this journey together as a local congregation, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to open up our spiritual eyes because these people's eyes, Cleopas was his name, the one follower of Christ and his friend, were walking along this road and they bump into Yeshua himself and their spiritual eyes were actually closed. They couldn't see him. They didn't know that this was God himself walking by their side. So let's just read from Luke chapter 24, verse 13. And then that very day, Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing it, Yeshua himself came up and began walking with them. But their eyes were miraculously prevented from recognizing him. Then Yeshua asked them, What are you discussing with one another as you walk along? And they stood still, looking broken-hearted. One of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger visiting Jerusalem who is unaware of the things which have happened here in these recent days? He asked, What things? And they replied, The things about Yeshua of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel and set our nation free. Instead, beside all this, it is the third day since these things happened. And also some of the women among us shocked us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and they did not find his body. Then they came back, saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. I just want to mention a note here that actually Mary was the first one to have seen Christ after he rose from the dead. Okay, but these guys, Cleopas and his friend, didn't realize it. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Then Yeshua said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to trust and believe in everything that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and only then to enter his glory? Then beginning with Moses and throughout all the writings of the prophets, 
He explained and interpreted for them the things referring to himself found in all the scriptures. Then they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as if they were going further. But they urged him not to go on, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day has just about ended. So he went inside to stay with them. And it happened that as he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Now note this. Then their eyes were suddenly opened by God, and they clearly recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and opening the scriptures to us? And then they go on and they go and meet up with the 11 disciples, but that's another story altogether. Now, this road to Emmaus, I decided to do a bit of research on the actual meaning of Emmaus and the location of, of Emmaus. And this is what took me quite a while because the Lord actually told me to explore this, to get greater revelation of this whole walk that took place. Because it is the only event throughout the Gospels that is actually described here in Luke. Luke was the only one who described this event. It is mentioned in Mark, just in one little sentence. But Luke was the only one who recorded this. And it's an extremely important event which took place. Because isn't it amazing? There these guys are heartbroken because they don't know where Yeshua is. And he's walking along the road with him. And their eyes have blinkers. They've got a blindness about them. So what I did was I decided to find out a little bit about this place called Emmaus. And then the Lord started to open my eyes, my spiritual eyes, concerning this place called Emmaus. Now, there's been a lot of debate, apparently, by archaeologists and researchers about where the location of this place actually is. In Israel today, there is a place called Emmaus Nicopolis. But apparently, According to research that was done very recently in 2017 to 2019, there were some French and Israeli archaeologists. They started to dig at the biblical site of Kiriath Jiriam, which is a hill a few kilometers west of Jerusalem. The exact distance mentioned by Luke in this biblical account, because he said that the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus was seven miles. Well, apparently, the other place that is called Emmaus today in Israel itself would be far too long a journey for them to have walked and had this conversation with the Lord. So these archaeologists have done research and they are convinced. They've lined it up with the Bible. I'm just going to read what the researchers have said here. A French and Israeli expedition had been digging at the biblical site of Kiriath Jerium, a hill a few kilometers west of Jerusalem, the exact distance mentioned by Luke in the biblical account. They discovered the remains of a 2,200 year old fortification on the outskirts of a village or town called Abu Gush. These Greek and Roman remains shed more light on the actual location of Emmaus especially as this area is recorded in the Bible to be the place where the Ark of the Covenant rested for, I think it was 20 to 70 years. 
Now that would make absolute sense that the real geographical site of Emmaus, and the word Emmaus means hot springs, or to be hot, and there are springs located at this particular site, but there are also springs located at the other site. But the issue is, the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, is actually at this place called Kiriath Jerim. What the Holy Spirit was showing me was that at this particular site, it would make absolute sense if Yeshua was escorting his two followers to Emmaus, which was the place where the Ark of the Covenant had actually rested for 20 to 70 years. Do you remember going back into the Old Testament, I'm sure most of you have read this, where the Philistines took hold of the Ark of the Covenant and then they were cursed because the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant was symbolic of the presence of God. They were cursed and so they sent the Ark back, back to Israel and it went back to this place called kiriath Jiriam. It's actually stated there in 1 Samuel chapter 6, if you read that, it talks about the Ark of the Covenant rested at this particular place until David, King David then, made sure that the Ark went back to Jerusalem. So this place, Emmaus, has great significance. I was finding it very difficult because I was looking up a lot, I was researching a lot. But then he led me, the Holy Spirit led me to another place where it was a tourist site they share about the Holy Land. And I noticed something that this guy, he was actually doing an advert on various holy places in Israel. And he actually mentioned this place, Kiriath Jeriam. And he described it as this. He said he called this place a noteworthy hill that nobody notices. So the presence of God had been residing in this place and still resides in that place. But he said that most tourists just overlook, overlook this hill and this site. They're too busy, now listen to this, looking at Elvis Presley and his statue, which is outside a coffee shop. <laughs> There's a golden statue of Elvis Presley in a coffee shop, and that's what most the tourists go and they look at. Never mind about going to have a look at the beautiful biblical sites. And he said that this site is often overlooked by tourists because he's in the business and he knows it. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me again. And I thought, how true that is. How often, as believers, are our spiritual eyes closed to what is of extreme significance? And I even think of our little church here. Many people might overlook this little congregation because their spiritual eyes are not open. You see, what is our battle as believers, as a local church, but as the body of Christ as a whole? We are at war with the devil, obviously, but what does he use? The world system. We are at war with the world system. And it's got worse and worse and worse as the years have gone by because of how the enemy has tried to contaminate even the Christians. So I thought this was a wonderful example, the statue of Elvis Presley in all his glory, 
I don't know where he went, the poor guy. <laughs> Hopefully he went to heaven if he gave his life to Christ. But the issue is that people are more interested in going to look at someone. It's a coffee shop. Almost like there's an idol right there, a pagan image, an idol of Elvis Presley, and they miss. This is what this guy, he was a Christian. He was on his blog was saying that the site is overlooked because of idol worship, actually, and their spiritual eyes were closed. Their spiritual eyes were closed, and they didn't realize. There they're talking about Yeshua himself, the man. They were heartbroken because the man himself, God himself, had died. And if you see there, it says that we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel and set our nation free. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. Now, why did the Holy Spirit closed their eyes because Yeshua wanted to teach them an extremely important lesson that even though they had walked with Christ, these were followers of the Lord. They obviously loved him because you can't be heartbroken if you don't love somebody. And so here they are and their eyes were closed and Yeshua then rebukes them. He's actually quite angry. In verse 25, then Yeshua said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to trust and believe in everything that the prophets have spoken. For three years, God himself had walked on this earth, performing signs, wonders, miracles, raising the dead, sharing from the word of God, continually, continually speaking the word of God. And yet they missed it. They missed it. And how easy it is if our spiritual eyes are not in tune with the truth. The truth is what God thinks about something. The truth is what God's opinion is. What God thinks about something. It's so important for us as believers to make sure that our minds are renewed with the truth, with the word of God. And it costs. It costs. It's not just going to fall out of the sky. There's a great commitment involved in getting our minds renewed with the truth, with the word of God. It's not just going to happen with someone putting something on the internet, a scripture or two on the internet. That does not renew the mind. It takes a tremendous amount of effort to renew our minds in accordance with the truth. It costs, it really costs. And we as Christians, as believers, as a local church, we need to make sure that we do everything we possibly can to make sure that our minds are renewed with what God thinks, what he says about something. You know, Cleopas, his actual name means glory of the Father, glory of everything. In other words, the glory of God. Now that, again, the Lord just spoke to me and said, there the very name Cleopas, his friend, wasn't mentioned. But Cleopas's name was mentioned. And it was for a purpose, because it speaks of the very glory of God. Now there, Yeshua had just, three days later, after he'd been crucified and insulted beyond words, suddenly he is raised from the dead in a glorious body, a body that is able to walk through walls. 
So here you have this incredible story of Cleopas walking on this road with his friend and his very name is representative of the glory of God. And it makes absolute sense that Emmaus, I mean, these archaeologists, they have been researching apparently for years and they've said there's a lot of controversy, but it makes absolute sense if these fortifications were being unraveled because they actually go back to even, a, I think, a battle, the Battle of Emmaus was fought there at this particular place. So that was one of the areas of research that I did. They said that there was a battle of Emmaus, which Josephus, who was a famous Jewish historian, he actually did the research and recorded the many battles that had been fought by the Jews. So I truly believe that this particular site is the real place of Emmaus, because it even says it's seven miles from Jerusalem. And it must have taken about two hours to walk this road with Yeshua. And then it was only when they get to Emmaus and they start to have communion, well, they break bread together, and then suddenly their eyes were opened, their spiritual eyes were opened. And that makes sense, because if you think about what is communion, communion represents our covenant with God and our covenant with one another as believers in Christ. And the Ark of the Covenant, <laughs> if the Ark of the Covenant was settled there for that period of time, again, for almost 70 years, it speaks of the presence of God. And it's the presence of God which is so powerful. It's the presence of God which gives us authority as believers. It's the presence of God which I truly believe was in that place. And as they took the bread, their eyes were suddenly opened and they saw, wow, this is Yeshua himself. Yeshua meaning God is our salvation. What a beautiful name. God is our salvation. And so these researchers, these archaeologists have found something extremely significant. But I do think that many people have maybe overlooked it. But it's the power of the covenant and the presence of God that we have and the glory of who he is. He is such a glorious, magnificent, awesome God. He is so beautiful. He's so magnificent. And our job in the kingdom of heaven is to reveal that beauty to others, especially those who are lost, because the Bible says the God of this world has blinded, has absolutely blinded people. That's what we're up against. We're in a spiritual war. We as believers need to make sure that others get saved as quickly as possible, because the Lord is coming back one of these days. He's coming, the signs are there. He's coming back and he's looking to us as the remnant, the, his remnant people, those survivors to do something about bringing people to him, to come to know him, getting people into church, drawing people into church, you know, doing something about that. It's so important. It's an ongoing thing. And 
So the meaning of Emmaus is hot springs. And I just want to turn over to a scripture, a well-known scripture in the book of Revelation, which speaks about being lukewarm. This scripture, John, the apostle, when he was on the island of Patmos, and he had this incredible vision of the Lord who came to him, and he said that he gave messages about concerning various churches. There were seven churches in the book of Revelation that were spoken about. Now, this one church called Laodicea, the Lord speaks about this particular church in verse 15, and he said before that, he said, These are the words of the Amen, the trusted and faithful and true witness, the beginning and origin of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold, invigorating, refreshing, nor hot, healing, or therapeutic. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, spiritually useless, this is the Amplified here, and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth, rejecting you with disgust. And then it goes on. Look, this was a very rich church. And he was just speaking to this church. But if you go on a bit further, it also says, I'm going to read from verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold that has been heated, red hot and refined by fire, so that you may become truly rich. And white clothes representing righteousness to clothe yourself so that the shame of your nakedness will not be seen and healing salve to be put on your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I rebuke and discipline, showing them their faults and instructing. So be enthusiastic and repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior. Seek God's will. So he was speaking to this particular church. And we as believers must take note of this particular reference because it talks about lukewarmness. If we are lukewarm in any of the areas of our lives concerning Christianity, we are in danger. I'm not saying here that anybody is. This is a warning. It's a scripture the Lord showed me. And he said, I want you to share the scripture today because it is talking about lukewarmness. God will vomit any believer out of his mouth if there is lukewarmness. And so he wants us to be on fire. On fire. And to be on fire, it means it costs. It costs us everything. It costs us everything to be on fire for God. There might come a day that we as Christians will be persecuted. Well, we are already persecuted. Persecution in different ways for standing out for who we are as believers. But I'm talking about really persecuted. Who knows? Who knows? We might be chucked in jail one day. Who knows? But the issue is, that we are not to be lukewarm because God will literally vomit us out of his mouth. That's how serious it is. And he said to this church, he said, put healing salve on your eyes so that you can see. We have to learn to see with spiritual eyes. And that takes dedication. It takes time. It takes intercessory prayer. It takes time away from the world system. It takes time in the precious word of God. It takes time speaking in tongues. It takes time just waiting on the Lord. All of these things are so important. We have to divorce ourselves from the world system if we want God's glory. I know there are lots of business people sitting here. Everybody's calling is different. I'm not saying that each person who's in those fields must now go and be a holy Joe and put your heads in the soil like an ostrich. No. But if we are going to see God's glory, there is a cost. 
and it means not being a people pleaser. It might mean saying to that person at work, sorry, I'm going to read my Bible now. I'm not going to sit with you and have a chit-chat and eat your scones or your whatever, or your muffins, or I'm going to read my Bible at lunchtime. I'm going to spend time with God, or I'm going to start a prayer meeting. These things are vitally important. We have got to be different, and that means being hot on fire for God, like the hot springs of Emmaus. The word there of Emmaus literally means hot. And they said, those two, Cleopas and his pal, whoever the pal was, they say there, Luke wrote, he said, how our hearts burned when we walked that road with this man, this stranger. They didn't recognize him, but their hearts burned. Yeshua is worth everything. He is such a wonderful savior. We have such a wonderful heavenly father. I mean, God is awesome. He has done so much for us. He has done so much for us. And he deserves all the glory. We all on a personal, individual road to glory. Every single one of us will meet our creator one day. That timing is God's prerogative. He promises us long life. But it's up to us to make sure that we run the race as well as we possibly, possibly could. And it costs. It also means that when we are with the unsaved, the unbeliever, that we are to shine. They shouldn't actually even swear in our presence unbelievers. The glory of God should be such that the unbelievers shudder. I'm not going to swear. I'm not going to have a dirty joke. That's how the glory should be in all of our lives as believers. That's what being hot for God is, that when we walk into a room, those who don't know Christ say, I want what you've got. We can't afford to be people pleasers. Obviously, there's wisdom involved with all of this, and that's why we have to spend time in the Word of God, spending time with the Lord, doing what He requires of us. Every single one of us is unique. The call on our lives is unique. Each one of us is called to do a unique work on this earth, and we must understand and know that uniqueness and know what God has called us to do. But today, as we partake of communion, I'm going to pray a prayer that our spiritual eyes would be opened in whatever way we as individuals need to have our spiritual eyes open to see God, to see Him, to see our Heavenly Father, to see Yeshua, to see the Holy Spirit, that our eyes are opened like these eyes were opened. There's one other scripture I just want to read too. It's in Matthew. Matthew 13 verse 15. And these were the words of Yeshua again. Now remember, Yeshua had his close disciples that he walked with when he was on this earth. And at the end, there were only 120 that followed him because the rest, all the crowds that where he performed miracles, they bombed out. Their spiritual eyes were not opened. And this scripture actually relates to these people. Matthew 13, verse 15. And then he was saying here, 
In them, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will hear and keep on hearing, but never understand. And you will look and keep on looking, but never comprehend. For this nation's heart, he's talking about Israel, has grown hard. And with their ears, they hardly hear. And they have tightly closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn to me and I would heal them spiritually. You know, spiritual healing has a lot to do with running after God with a heart of passion. To be healed, to be made whole, it means running after God with a heart of absolute passion. And Yeshua was just saying to Israel as a whole, they weren't happy to do that. So they missed it. But he's saying to us, as the modern day church in the year 2023, he's saying, open up your spiritual eyes, open up your spiritual ears and see from God's perspective so that the kingdom of heaven can go forth with power and with authority and with glory. So Father God, as we as a local church take communion today, I pray that spiritual eyes would be opened in all of our lives, that we would see you, Father God, as you truly are, that we would see you, Yeshua, as you truly are, and that we would see you, Holy Spirit, as you truly are, and that healing and wholeness would come in whatever way is necessary. Because, Lord, we all look at things, at life, as individuals, from our own individual perspectives. We put glasses on, as it were. Well, I pray today that spiritual glasses would be put on. Spiritual glasses would be put on. And as we break bread together, as a local congregation, as our Father's house, fellowship, Father God, I just pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us in a very special and unique way. Because you know where each person is at and you are the answer to every person's needs. Thank you, Father. May our eyes and our ears be opened in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen.